I was trying to use my real life experience, what I went through. So I tried to make sure I use some strategies to see if I was in the same position. All those kids from families which can't have access to enter the game of golf. So I made some bit of research and I discovered there was a need to create a golf academy, create a pathway for these kids to play the game of golf. So if we were to make a difference in our community in Uganda, we need to create something that is going to create opportunity for everyone to play the game of golf. No matter the background, no matter the gender of these individuals, everyone must be in position to have an opportunity. Because the game of golf is still a game that is being dominated by the male. So there are few young people that are playing the game of golf. However, with our coming of the Free Golf Academy, we have been able to change the status quo and create a difference by taking the game where people are. That's what we believe in. It's now not only just bringing the people on the golf course, but for us, we believe like we can be in position to take the game where people are instead of bringing people where golf is. Welcome to the Mod Golf Podcast, where we speak with the entrepreneurs, innovators, disruptors, and influencers who are shaping the future of golf. I'm your host, Colin Weston, and before we get started with our latest episode, I wanted to take a moment to welcome our new presenting partner, InRange Golf. InRange is an award-winning driving range technology company that is creating a new standard in off-course player experiences and revolutionizing business success for range owners. If you're a golf facility operator looking to enhance your digital gaming experience and increase revenue, Check them out at www.inrangegolf.com. So today I'm really excited for the episode you're about to hear and the stories we're going to share with you. This is something that I've been looking to put together for over a year based on many conversations I have had, including the young man who is joining us today from Uganda. This is about the growth, promise and potential of golf in East Africa, and particularly in Uganda, to positively influence the trajectory of young lives. I am joined today by Isaiah Mwusige, who is the CEO and Executive Director of the Afriyea Golf Academy out of the Toro Club in Uganda. The impactful, inspirational work that they are doing is nothing short of amazing, and it is my pleasure to welcome Isaiah to join us on the Mod Golf Podcast. Thank you so much, Colin, for having me on this podcast. I'm extremely very delighted to share my story with the audience. And I'm excited to have you share that story with them, Isaiah. You and the team are just so very good of creating these stories and these messages around everything you're doing and why you're doing it. And through social media, where I first met you and some of the other platforms and how you're going about that. So we're going to hold off on Afriya for just a second here, because that's what we're going to talk about the main thing. But I always love to start off the podcast with talking about you, with the guests. So I'm really curious, especially with your background in Uganda, as far as your first golf experience, how old were you? What was that experience? And most importantly, who invited you to have that first golf experience? That's quite a very interesting question for sure. And it's quite very amazing to share with the audience about how my journey has been and what inspired me to join the game of golf. So before actually coming to know what the game of golf was all about, that's 10 years ago, I was just at home and one of my colleagues was actually passing by, who was a caddy by then. And then this very young boy was like, Isaiah, have you ever heard about golf? Golf is something that I've never heard about. The only thing I hear about golf is just seeing it on papers and sometimes on the screen. So I was like, maybe you never know. You might be having something in you that you don't know about. So I was like, I would wish to invite you and you become a golf caddy at Toro Golf Club. So Toro Golf Club is one of the old upcountry golf clubs we have in Uganda, located in Fort Porto, Western Uganda, was founded way back in 1919. Wow. Yeah, so it's from that journey 
of this little man of inviting me to the golf club to become a golf journey. And the club wasn't actually near by home. So I would walk more than 14 kilometers of seven and seven kilometers to the club and seven kilometers back home. Try and learn about this stranger game about golf. So, and then I wasn't learning about how to play, but learning about how to carry golf bags for other members. So you learned a caddy first. So I'm sorry, I missed that. So how, well, for context, how old were you at that time? How many years ago was that experience? About 14 years old. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you're around golf, started to understand this game that may have seemed like it was from another planet from what you were exposed to probably with running and football is probably the sports, the, the main ones that you and your friends would play. So Talk about your first caddy experiences and then how you went from caddying to having the opportunity to actually swing a golf club and get on the golf course for the first time. So the opportunity to really caddy was quite very interesting because I didn't get even a chance to start caring for anyone for almost two weeks. So for the first like two weeks, I was learning and working on the course with other caddies who were actually very familiar on how to carry golf bags. So I had established some kind of friendship with other caddies who were around by then and also the existing members. So it was very interesting. And I remember so many stories buying what we call like pancakes on the way or some other caddies buying pancakes for me because they never had the money to. It was all kind of like a very interesting experience because it's something that I wasn't, I think was quite very new to me. Now, at that time when you were 14, I'm assuming that the Afriyea Golf Academy did not exist yet. Is that correct? That's very correct, yes. Okay, so now let's move forward on your own golf journey and then also the initial formation, the start of Afriyea Golf Academy. So what what was, who had the idea, where was the opportunity? And tell us about the, the early yeah. days, the launch yeah. of the academy. Yeah, that's interesting, so. To add on, on the advice of saying how my journey used to be like coming to carry golf bags for other members. So when I started carrying the golf bags, actually, so the money I used to collect from carrying golf bags is the same money that used to facilitate me with my school fees, get books, get pens, as well as find some bit of welfare, the money to eat and find myself living a little bit of a better life. And that was how much. If you know the British pound, that was one pound to carry uh, a round of golf, a golf bag for an individual. Just they give you one pound. And if you carry uh, a whole round of 18 hole, they give you two pounds. But that money used to be a lot to us. And see the same amount of money the caddies get in, in the year of 2023. Things haven't changed so much, actually. So you can imagine two pounds spending about maybe a minimum of five hours on the golf course or a minimum of four hours working for that. And that's the same money you need to eat, that you need to use to buy something to eat and use the same money to buy some bit of all the things you need, plus books and other things. So I quite appreciate the journey and all that journey has been preparing me to see how best I can be able to change in my community, transform the community using my real experience. Wow. So I saw a video on the uh, Afriyea Golf Academy website that it had the statistic. I, I don't know if it was you saying it or was someone else. I can't remember, but saying that 0.002% of Ugandans play golf. So very, very small fraction of the population. And you have a very young population, like most East African countries of the average age being in the early 20s as compared to 
at least in the 40s or even 50s in, in a place like Canada. Tell us about that. Where did you see the opportunity? Did you see friends that you had or other families or people to get involved with golf? So I guess my question is, why? Why did you see the opportunity to put all the energy and, and the passion that you have for this into bringing kids into the game to not only teach them about golf, but give them skills and confidence for life? So I must be able to put your fact very right. So only 0.002% of the Ugandans play golf. So we made some very good results by actually going into the golf clubs, by counting the number of members they have and the number of participants who are actually playing the game of golf. And with my other colleagues in the academy, we managed to find out it was only 0.002% which plays the game of golf. And Uganda has got about 18 golf courses, but only 16 are active. If you look again on the age bracket of the people who are playing the game of golf, the middle class and then the old people, meaning the chances of playing the game of golf, the only route they have to play the game of golf is through the caddy system, which I passed through myself. But again, this is extremely very, very tight because not everyone can become a caddy at the golf club because for someone to become golf caddy, there must be an opportunity for you to carry golf bags for the members. The number of members in these various clubs is not that something that is quite very high. So meaning you cannot go and apply to become a caddy on a given club if their membership is not so big because there will be no work for you. And sometimes the clubs themselves may not be admitting. So you find that channel actually being blocked. There are few opportunities, but also as an individual, I look also at the aspect of the gender. If you imagine, there are few girls who can also become really caddies because of so many challenges. If you look at the whole country level, there are very few girls who are caddies. So for them, they have few opportunities of going through the caddie system. So that means the system of using caddies to get more golfers is not a very sustainable, it's not a very efficient way of getting more young people to play the sport of golf. So for all of them, I've been wanting to find out the best alternative, the best way on how we can bring opportunities for each and every individual to play the game of golf, a way that is quite accessible, a way that is going to be entertaining, exciting, also educative. Got it, got it. You create a, another pathway for Ugandan youth to enjoy golf, try golf for the first time here. So, so okay, let's talk about year one. At the very beginning, what is the first thing that you tried? What was your strategy at the beginning to attract young people, attract kids, boys and girls? So what did you do? What did you try? And how did you go about getting your first students to come on board? It really wasn't extremely very difficult as I was trying to use my real life experience, what I went through. So I tried to make sure I used some strategies to see if I was like in the shoes, in the same position, all those kids from families which can't have access to enter the game of golf. So I made some bit of research and I discovered there was a need to create a golf academy create a pathway for these kids to play the game of golf. So with that, I managed to speak to a number of professional golfers who were at Toro Golf Club by then. And again, I talked to Stephen Kasaija, actually, who is the former national team coach of Uganda. I told him, like, if we were to make a difference in our community in Uganda, we need to create something that is going to create opportunity for everyone to play the game of golf. No matter the background, no matter the gender of these individuals, everyone must be in position to have an opportunity 
because the game of golf is still a game that is being dominated by the male, a game that is still dominated by the old people. So there are a few young people that are still playing the game of golf right now. However, with our coming of the Free Golf Academy, we have been able to to change the status quo and create a difference by taking the game where people are. That's what we believe in. It's now not only just bringing the people on the golf course, but for us, we believe like we can be in position to take the game where people are instead of bringing people where golf is. I love this. Love this. So just for context, how many years ago did you launch the Afria Golf Academy? So the Afria Golf Academy was founded in 2019, but we launched our programs in 2020. So in August, that's when we made our official launch at Polo Golf Club in Fort Porto. So if launching things aren't tricky enough, you launched in the middle of COVID in a global pandemic. <laughs> yeah, it's really about passion. And we really never wanted to know about what was happening at that time. All we wanted to see is creating a difference in the young people. I love this. We are now going to take a short break to hear about our episode presenting partner, InRange. So what is InRange? Well, InRange is a radar-based ball tracking company that enhances the driving range experience by offering the most engaging gameplay and precise ball tracking on the market. InRange is the only driving range tracking business that truly offers something for every type of visitor. They have unparalleled practice software, which includes the world's first and only practice handicap, as well as golf games and courses for the more social player. They are also the only software in the world that offers a bay versus bay link-up feature, meaning large groups can play against one each other in teams right across the entire venue. To learn more about them, check out www.inrangegolf.com. And I know so many entrepreneurs, and I've been guilty of this a bit in the past, as you wait, you're kind of waiting for, let's say, the perfect moment, which there never is, rather than just finding a way to make it happen now and start small and then to grow. So when you're launching 2020, so how many students did you have at that time? And tell us about the programming that you started with. And then tell us about the journey, where you are now, because now you, I know you have other partners, you're starting to expand, you're really starting to get some awareness globally. I know in the UK, especially in London, that, that you have some connections there too. So tell us, yeah, the, what you started with and what you've added since then is other programmings and platforms for your young golfers in the academy. Yeah, so our first cohort of students were 30 in number, and these are the very first students who really turned up. This was quite very exciting for me and everyone at the academy really to have like a kid of four years turning up among the other young people that we had in the academy. So this was quite inspiring for me as an individual, but also all other coaches who are still part of the program right now. And what we managed to do so we have both female coaches and the male coaches. So we try to make sure we divide responsibilities. We have like Coach Lillian, we have Coach Macklin. These are female coaches who also have got some responsibilities to handle our girls' golf program because we create a pathway for some of the underrepresented groups, uh, includes the girls. So Lillian and Macklin have been at the forefront of trying to encourage more girls, inspire them. Both of these two are actually also on the national team of Uganda. So this means they have the ability to influence more girls to join our program. So that's one of the programs we are offering as an academy. But we also realized there was a big challenge in the whole country. There has never been any association for the disabled golfers. So as an academy, we thought it's quite very important to place our 
hands on the program such as the disabled golf program by encouraging most of these young and old people to join our academy as disabled golfers so we also managed to encourage some of these individuals with different but call them disability people but maybe they are people with a different ability and for them they function differently from how other people so the academy has about four people who have got some bit of special need and then they need more attention. But we do use our own means to ensure we encourage them, we motivate them and give them the way on how they can become part of us and also enjoy the game of golf, like how we enjoy it ourselves. Love this. Love this. And the students that are in your academy now in the, in the cohort, as far as equipment, how do they get balls and gloves and shoes and everything else and clubs, especially? How, how do you go about doing that? I know you do some fundraising that you have done in the past and you've got some partnerships. So how do you get balls and shoes and clubs in their hands so they have the right equipment to succeed? Extremely very exciting question for sure. So the academy is a program that is well-founded, but we are struggling in terms of equipment and other kinds of support with shoes and other things. So the equipment we normally get, we get it from friends who donate the second-hand clothes or equipment that has been used and they feel like they can be able to pass it on to other people to use it. So we normally get those from individuals and then we get it into our academy and we offer it to our kids to use that. But I've had some generous golf clubs that have been also in position to create some fundraising events that have been able to raise some support to get some equipment, especially in the UK. I don't take that for granted. Of course not. Of course not. Well, hopefully people that listen to the podcast, we have a lot of people in the golf industry, not just recreational golfers that love the Mod Golf podcast. So if there's people out there with TaylorMade or Ping or Titleist, if you're listening, we know you have lots of clubs lying around here. We could certainly connect you with Isaiah to make that happen, to get more clubs in the hands of deserving young people that would be so thankful and grateful for, for receiving those. As far as where you are, if I understand correctly, so the club that you have the academy at, that's the same club where you, you learned a caddy, is that correct? Yes, that's very true. So this is the very same club where I started the academy, but we have been able to expand from this very club to other golf clubs within the country and also beyond, actually. Well, that was my next question is how do you scale this? There's 18 golf courses, all private, I'm assuming, in Uganda, no public courses. And so now you're starting to branch out and perhaps having different academy locations for what you're doing at, at other golf courses. Is that your vision over the next couple of years is to start to take now that you've figured out the model, as we say in entrepreneurship, you've nailed it and now you can scale it. So are you looking to scale this up and, and start to take your programming that you figured out and start to apply that and put that in different locations so other children around the country can benefit also like they do at your golf course? Yeah, this has been our mission since day one. Like we are not only looking at providing our opportunities to kids in Toro region in Fort Porto area, but we are looking at how best we can be able to take our mission much further to all other communities that need our services because we know the whole country need us. They know what we are offering. Something that is very organized, something that is very professional and this is not only looking at really providing golf as an opportunity for them to play, but also we bring in the aspect of the environment. We bring in the aspect of education, which is a key to everyone's success. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, I've seen some of the videos, especially on Instagram, that you and your friends have put out of going into 
small villages that don't have a lot of money. So they're quite poor rural villages. And you show up with some golf clubs and start hitting some golf balls. And it's like, it literally is like you are from another planet. You're some alien that's doing this amazing thing. And they're cheering and yelling and losing their minds. They're so excited. How are you finding that as far as your ability to kind of spread the gospel of golf to people that have never even seen a golf club before, never even thought that it existed? What is that experience like for you? And what is the benefit for the academy also? Yeah, we are really looking at how we can be able to increase participation in the game of golf, but also trying to make young people from all corners or all communities have an opportunity to touch a golf club, swing the club and play from wherever they are. That's what we believe in. We believe the game of golf is for everyone and should be opened up to make young people smile. Every time we go into schools, whoever touches a club feels like it's something that like might be reaching heaven or reaching somewhere very special because I never had an opportunity myself to touch a golf club until I was about 14, as I said, until I became a golf caddy. This is the same thing with all the kids in the communities where we go. These kids have never had an opportunity to play this sport of golf, and most of them have never seen it. So every time we go there, we believe by giving them an opportunity to touch a golf club, to swing it, to feel like they are part of the global community is something that we feel like is so beneficial to us as an academy. Mm -hmm. And from what you're saying so far, it seems like one of the many challenges you have is supply and demand or capacity. There's only so many golf courses, you said 18, as compared to Canada, which has over 2,400 golf courses for 40 million people. That's why we have so many golfers. And where I live in Vancouver, we just have more accessibility. Even with the city of Vancouver, we have three, we call public or municipal courses and three pitch and putts, these par three courses, which are great to learn on. And they're not very expensive at all. I realize in Canada, we've got other opportunities and resources that you don't have access to. But do you see any potential with cities in Uganda, perhaps opening up or, or seeing the value rather than just having a park of having a smaller par three golf course where they can start to charge and make some money? But it's a way that younger people or anybody that doesn't have that much money can start to get into golf. Do you see that as a potential or is there's too many political difficulties for that to happen? There's a very huge potential for golf development in Uganda. What we need to show to the general world is that the game of golf is a profession, like how we have other professions. If I'm a teacher, if I am an agriculturalist, if I'm an environmentalist, if I'm a government worker, that's how the game of golf should be interpreted. And once we are able to do that, there's a huge potential in Uganda. Or we can't really be surprised if we can have one of our students playing on the major tour on the big championship in the next few years because Ugandans are quite very athletic. They are very, very sporty. So we have seen some of these Ugandans succeeding in a various sports. So why not in golf? But opportunities have not knocked on our door. And all we are looking for is now creating opportunities for young people. And if there's anyone trying to give a push and support them, achieve their full dreams. That's all we are looking for here. Yes, yes. And speaking of your students, said I've seen some testimonials from them with the videos that you do, and you, you're really great at that storytelling piece. So share with our, our audience here, our viewers and our listeners, a couple of success stories that put a smile on your face, maybe one or two, both with a girl and also a boy that have come through. So yeah, so, so share some stories with us, Isaiah. 
Yeah, we have really had a number of successes here at the Free Group Academy from both girls and boys. So since we established Academy in 2019 and our launch in 2020, we have been able to produce one player to go on the national team of Uganda. So that's not something that is a very simple success. It's something that is showing how committed and the improvement we're in position to put across in transforming the game of golf in Uganda. So that's one of the successful stories I can say from the boys. And with the girls, most of our girls have been able to become champions in various tournaments in Uganda. So there is a huge difference we have been able to create really in terms of golf development. And some of these are really making a huge difference. Looking at some of the young players like Rachel, Natkunda, we have Immaculate Assemble. All these young girls are playing very amazing golf. They had never played a game of golf before 2020, but since they joined us, they have been able to prove to the world how talented they are, but also what the academy is doing to train them and become great players. Wow, I, I love this. Let's look at the future now, because I know you have big aspirations. I have a feeling you're going to be in this for the long haul, like this is the, the long game for you. So where are your aspirations for the Golf Academy of where you hope to be in, let's say, five or 10 years and how that is the bigger picture where you hope the future of golf in Uganda is in, in the future too. Our big picture in future is to create something that can make a difference in the lives of young people. And the difference we can create is we are operating where we started from and the place is quite very small. So any opportunity to create a space for the kids is something that we would love to create. This is not only offering kids to hit golf balls, but also they can be able to learn about life skills, learn about environmental sustainability, something that's always next to our heart as coaches and individuals that really remain committed to growing the game of golf. This is something that we need to do. So if there is anyone that can partner with us or anyone that feels we share the same values, it will always be great to grow together. I love this. Okay, to finish up here, why don't you share with our audience that want to learn more about what you're doing? What's the easiest way or the best places that they can go and learn more about the Afriya Golf Academy? So for anyone listening to this very podcast, for you to catch more about us, you can find us on Twitter, on LinkedIn, on Facebook, all social media handles. But again, you can find us on our website. So www.afriegofacademy.com. Afri is A-F-R-I-Y-E-A, Golf Academy. And the name Afri actually resonates with the continent's name. So we have the big vision of taking this across Africa where the name Afriya Golf Academy came from too. So you just answered my last question before I asked it. You must have read my mind there with what I was going to say. So as I always do, down in the description below here for YouTube and also the show notes for the podcast, I will include all of those links that Isaiah just mentioned there to make it nice and easy for you to find out what they are up to. And this conversation, I'm, I'm going to extend this. I've been planning to do something even bigger than this because there's so much interesting things and development and energy for golf not just in uganda but also in all of eastern africa that this is really just one of many podcasts and videos that we are going to shoot to cover all the good things that are going on in uganda and east africa and i'm hoping that next year 2024 that i'll have the chance to see you and some others in person and spend some time in Kenya and also in, in Uganda. So that's something I'm really looking forward to. And hopefully that uh, that becomes a reality and we can see each other in person. 
that's extremely very exciting. What a honor for me to be on the Mod Golf podcast and sharing my story with a great audience in Canada is something that is very special for me. I think it should have been my very first time to be hosted by someone from Canada. So I'm extremely very delighted and all the listeners of this very podcast have been extremely very happy to be here and looking forward to keep on engaging with each and everyone. Thank you so much. Oh, you are welcome, Isaiah. It's been an absolute pleasure. And hey, if you've enjoyed, if you're watching this, hey, we can make more of these podcasts, a very simple ask. Just subscribe to the channel. And if you like this, please uh, give us a thumbs up and leave a comment. Let's get the conversation going because the more engagement, the more you say you like what we're doing here, the more of these that we'll be able to bring you. It works as simple as that. So Isaiah, thanks so much for joining me today on the Mod Golf Podcast and our YouTube channel. Thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your day. So that's a wrap for this episode of the Mod Golf Podcast. If you enjoyed this conversation about entrepreneurship in the golf industry, you can find more compelling episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you like to listen in. And don't forget to subscribe to the show on our homepage to hear about upcoming episodes and to enter our latest golf product giveaway. I'm your host, Colin Weston. Thanks very much for joining me. Bye for now.